It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org slash app. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Vikings on a Friday. Sam and Sage talking NFL playoffs. Welcome to the show. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. We have a road tripping Sage Rosenfels with us today on his way to Colorado. I am. Got some fresh powder out in the mountains. And so I am on my way west. It's about seven hours. Uh, I, should, I really should say eight hours, but uh, I don't quite follow the speed limit. So we'll, we'll put it at seven, seven and a half hours from Omaha, Nebraska. Stay with my brother tonight and then up in the mountains tomorrow morning. You should almost divert yourself north, drive through South Dakota, because they recently upped the speed limit to 80 in my home state. Oh, well, there you go. I don't, th- I don't think I'm going to go up all the way up there, though. No, I, don't think, are there, I don't even know if there are mountains at all up in South Dakota. I think there's <laughs> Black Hills. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a snowboarder or skier? I'm a skier, uh, and uh, I've only snowboarded once or twice in my life, and I, it's challenging. I did learn when I was playing football, and I would ski occasionally when I was playing football. We could have this whole conversation also this offseason, skiing, snowboarding, and your contract, and those types of things. But uh, snowboarders break their wrists and elbows at a much higher rate than skiers do. Uh, because there's really no good way to fall other than to catch yourself with your hands. And so uh, I decided when I was playing football that I was going to stick to skiing and uh, to try to avoid any sort of wrist or uh, elbow injury. So I'm a pretty experienced water skier, but I am downhill skiing for the first time tomorrow since I was 13 years old. Do you have any advice? Uh, stay away from the trees. That's always good advice. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, stay away from the moguls when you're first learning. That's good advice. And, uh, steepness doesn't always matter. I, I, steepness is overrated. I think it's all about, um, it's really all about the terrain that you're in and, and how rough it is in my opinion. So. Yeah. See, I think I've got a pretty good handle on the balance part of it being, I've been on water skis a lot in my life, but when you're water skiing, you never have to stop. So I think stopping is going to be my issue. Like, I, well, did you play? Did you play hockey? Nope, I didn't really uh, have hockey in South Dakota growing up. I'm not a skater. Uh, well, they actually call it a hockey stop, and you sort of throw both of your uh, your skis. You know, inside pressure on your uh, pressure on your inside ski. That's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you sort of almost jump a little bit from one turn to the next. I don't know. It's hard to describe over uh, over a podcast. I guess. Yeah. Well, you have a great time out there. Be safe. You know, we need you here on Monday. So just make sure you don't undergo any traumatic events on those black diamonds, all right? Well, yeah, and I have to get this DVR going this weekend if I'm going to be skiing during the day, and I might miss some of these games. And so uh, I'll have to watch some games on Saturday night and Sunday and, and 
and uh, so I'm, I'm ready for the podcast and my article on Monday morning. Terrific. Well, let's just go game by game through this thing. We got four games on Wild Card Weekend, and I think there's a lot of intriguing talkers to them. Certainly the least compelling, and maybe because it's so uncompelling, it's actually compelling. I can't really figure it out, but Oakland at Houston. Uh, you've got Connor Cook at Brock Osweiler. You know, first of all, from a quarterback standpoint, probably the least sexy matchup of the entire postseason. A guy in Cook who's, you know, barely had a cup of coffee in the NFL, and a guy in Brock Osweiler who had one of the worst years in the NFL this season. He was 27th in completion percentage. He was 29th in passer rating. He was 30th in yards per attempt, and he had the fourth most interceptions. So who do you want? Do you want the quarterback who's been bad, or do you want the quarterback who's really never played in the league and suddenly is thrust into a road playoff game? I actually, I think I'd go with Connor Cook on this one. You know, Brock Osweiler, uh, though he was the start of the majority of the season, he got benched. And so this is truly backup versus backup, in my opinion. Uh, an amazing thing about those stats you just uh, rang off there, uh, what was he, 29th or something in completion percentage, but also like 30th uh, in yards per attempt. You would think if your yards per attempt is very low, you would have a high completion percentage, a lot of dinking and dunking going on. So like with Sam Bradford, uh, had. If you're throwing the ball down the field, yeah, your percentage is going to be down, but maybe you have a higher yards per attempt. So uh, I actually like the Oakland Raiders in this football game. Uh, they're a better football team. Obviously, the Texans have a, uh, a very good defense. And, and if the Texans do win this game, it's because of defense, special teams, and just coaching. Uh, I, I do think Bill O'Brien's a good coach. I think his assistants are very good coaches. It's one of those deals, sort of like a Belichick thing where he probably just sort of will find a way to win this football game. They're also playing at home, which is an advantage. Houston gets really rocking down there uh, at that stadium. I know that uh, firsthand. And so uh, I, I do like Connor Cook playing better than Brock Osweiler in this football game. Um, but I think it all comes down to turnovers. Does he turn the ball over or not? Uh, he played fairly well last week, Connor Cook. Uh, he was 14-21 against a very, very good Denver Broncos defense. If he can play that well, maybe throw a touchdown pass and stay away from turnovers, uh, I think the Oakland Raiders have an excellent chance to win this football game. If he gets hit in the pocket, fumbles once or twice, throws the ball to the other team, uh, I think the Texans go away with, with this one by maybe uh, a touchdown or two. Oakland's going to have to run the football. They're, they're sixth in rushing this season, which is pretty good. Houston's also allowed the fewest yards in the NFL. This could be a lower-scoring game. I can't see either quarterback exactly airing it out a whole lot. I mean, it's not like Osweiler has really been able to use his great weapon in DeAndre Hopkins all that effectively. Uh, I think Oakland has more talent, though, on that team. And, and I think they have a lot of talent on defense, too. It hasn't always manifested itself. They're, they've allowed the 20th most yards. But obviously, when you win 12 games, and they had a couple games where they just wrecked the other team defensively. Khalil Mack is a stud. They've got some uh, some great pieces on that defensive line. I like Oakland in this game. And I remember Houston, Kansas City last year. Uh, wasn't it 30 nothing Kansas City in Houston? I don't think that Texans team is really all that talented. And I don't like Brock Osweiler's game. I think I'm going to go with the Raiders. And if I'm Oakland, I look at this situation and I say, why is the league making us go to play at Houston when we're three games better. Do you think that needs to change? No, I don't. And uh, because I think there would be 
it would be challenging to find just the perfect formula uh, to make that possible. You're a runner-up in your division. You go to somebody else's division, uh, somebody else's place and play because they won their division. And, you know, no two divisions are created equally. Uh, you don't know the depth of a division versus another one and, and things like that. I mean, some division might have two really good teams, and some division might have four quality teams, and, and but maybe the winner only just won 10 games. And uh, so it, it's hard to tell. I think, I think it's hard to find some sort of perfect equation to make that happen. You win your division, and you get a home game. How many teams in the past few years have had their good seasons derailed by quarterback injuries. It seems like it's happening more often than not. I'm off the top of my head. A.J. McCarron last year had to play for Cincinnati. That was a good team that just didn't have the quarterback play. I'm thinking of Arizona a couple of years back. Weren't they playing, yep. uh, was it Ryan Lindley or John Skelton, some some no-name guy in the postseason? Houston got derailed a couple of years back, too. I'm trying T.J. Yates. T.J. Yates. And he won a playoff game. I was actually at that game. The, TJ Yates won when Matt Schaub got hurt. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the Vikings and Joe Webb having to play uh, back in 2012. It just happened. It's happening so much, and it's sad to see. There's 52 other guys on the roster for Oakland who got them to this point, but the one guy they need the most, not there. Well, you know, as now a, sort of, a, I guess, a media member and, and writer slash podcaster slash radio guy, uh, my specialty is the backup quarterbacks, and, and one phrase I'd like to use is it's like insurance. You get what you pay for, or uh, as Andrew Brandt likes to say, it's like a lawyer. Uh, you don't know how valuable you, they are until you actually need one. Uh, so quarterbacks and kickers, and, and uh, uh, you know, Matt Moore is, is, in my opinion, of these three backups in the AFC that are playing, he's hand out, hands down the best one. Uh, he gives his team a chance to win week in and week out. You know, his first start a few weeks ago, he threw four touchdown passes. And second start, he didn't play so well. He is a sort of hit-or-miss guy. But I'd rather have a guy like that uh, than somebody like, say, Tom Savage or Connor Cook, who has very little to no experience. And um, and whatever experience that is, it's not all that great. So uh, Matt Moore does give that Dolphins team, we'll get to them, but does, does give that Dolphins team a chance to win. The backup quarterback, you get what you pay for if you want to spend – the minimum or have a very young guy in there, uh, you take huge risks. If you pay three, three to four million dollars for a, a veteran backup who can go out there and truly manage a football game, you probably have a better chance of winning that, those football games. Keep an eye on the injury report there. Donald Penn could be out for Oakland. That could be a big loss for the Raiders. Moving on to the next matchup, Detroit at Seattle. Uh, Detroit has lost their final three games and Matthew Stafford with his hand injury, has not been the same quarterback in those three. Detroit has only scored one second-half touchdown in the last three games combined, and it came in garbage time last week against Green Bay. And get this, Stafford was 10th in the league in the entire season in terms of completion percentage, but since his injury, he's 25th in the league. So the accuracy may be disappearing a little bit for Matt Stafford. The offense is not performing in the second half like it was during their lengthy winning streak. But if there's any uh, encouragement for Detroit, it's that they went to Seattle last season pretty early in the year, and they were on the verge of winning that game, if not for a missed illegal batting call in the end zone by Seattle. Third and a long yard, and they're going to throw. Stafford completes. Calvin Johnson to the end zone, fumbles it, and it goes out of bounds. It would be a touchback if he didn't break the play. 
So maybe Detroit feels like they can win there. It's a tough place to win. Seattle is 7-1 and one at home this year. Sage, your thoughts? Well, a couple of things. Uh, I, I was going to say I don't think the hand injury is affecting Matt Stafford, but then he gave me those stats, and it's pretty obvious there, there's been an immediate change from when he was healthy to uh, with, with, the, with the hand injury. So that, that does mean something. I think teams that lose a, a game or two or three going into the playoffs is not a good sign. Playing at Seattle, they rarely lose at home, and they really rarely lose in the playoffs at home. Uh, I actually think Detroit is a better football team. Uh, I've really liked them all year, uh, but the way they have sort of transgressed, or I should say regressed uh, at the end of the season and the way Seattle plays at home, uh, you got to think that the Seahawks are going to win this game. Uh, They know how to play playoff football. Russell Wilson knows how to play playoff games. He hasn't had a great year, but he is sort of a clutch player, uh, in my opinion, And and I think Seattle should win this football game. Detroit could have some offensive line upheaval. Travis Swanson has missed a few games. Not sure he'll be back. Riley Reif, or is it Riley Reef? Reef Reif, he is limited. He he may be back. He might not. I think that'd be really important because he's arguably their best lineman. But for a while there, Detroit had the best line in the NFC North. They were healthy. They were cohesive. And now they've had some issues kind of coinciding with this three-game losing streak. Here's the thing with Detroit, though, Sage. Of their nine wins this year, none of them are against playoff teams. They're 0-5 against teams that made the playoffs. It feels like one of those middle-of-the-road teams that can beat inferior opponents but has a tough time against the cream of the crop. If I recall, I believe Washington had that same stat last year. I think they were 9-7 and or 10-6, and made the playoffs in the NFC East, uh, maybe even won the division but uh, did not beat any other playoff teams, I think, during the regular season or maybe only beat one or something like that. So, that you know, that is a, a huge uh, piece of concern there. I mean, I think the Vikings probably had uh, four or five wins versus playoff teams this last season. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we're, we're both in agreement on this one. I think uh, Seattle should win this one at home. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Miami at Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon. Matt Moore going up against Ben Roethlisberger. Pittsburgh's obviously the trendy pick in this game. They feel like maybe the only team that can upset New England, but Miami is just kind of sneaky. They're they're a good running team. Matt Moore is probably one of the more well-equipped backups in this league, and they beat Pittsburgh 30 to 15 pretty handily earlier in the season. So can Miami pull another upset over these Steelers? So this is one of those games where all signs point to Pittsburgh winning this game. Uh, a lot of the pundits on you know, SportsCenter, NFL Live, have been talking about all week that uh, Pittsburgh is one of the few teams in the AFC that can go into New England and beat the Patriots and, and go to the Super Bowl. Ben Roth, I just got my Sports Illustrated. Ben Roethlisberger is on the front of Sports Illustrated. And I, and I believe that he's one of those guys uh, that can beat the Patriots uh, in New England. Having said that, 
that means that probably Miami will win this football game. That's <laughs> yeah. just the way it seems like it goes. Uh, as I said before, Matt, Matt Moore can get hot in the playoffs. Miami does have a very good defense. They play uh, a, a tough, a rough sort of defense with Sue uh, at the D-line and then you know, Cameron Wake and, and some other other players. And I love their running game uh, and, the, and the way they can sort of control that football game. I think Adam Gase is probably one of the best uh, you know, coaches Young coaches in the NFL, great hire last year uh, for, for the Miami Dolphins. And so I'm going to go with my old team in this one. The, 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 the veteran backup, Matt Moore, goes into Pittsburgh uh, with, the, with probably the terrible towels uh, flinging around and beats you know, two-time Super Bowl champion Ben Roethlisberger. Bold statement, and it, it's tough to disagree with you just in that whenever you think you've figured something out in the NFL, you think that Pittsburgh on a seven-game winning streak is going to roll in this game, usually the NFL has a way of reversing course on you. In anticipation of that, Miami's kind of a fun pick here, and it's interesting with Gase, I think they brought him in assuming he would be the quarterback whisperer and he would have the same effect on Tannehill that he had on Cutler. But it's really been more the running game and the defense that has propelled Miami to this unexpected playoff berth. Tannehill kind of struggled to pass a bit this season, and now Matt Moore has probably been on par, if not better, in his limited play. So we'll see how he stacks up against Roethlisberger. When they beat Pittsburgh earlier in the season, the Steelers were a more unpredictable team. Obviously, they've won seven in a row, so it's tough to imagine them faltering. But let me ask you this to close on this game. If Matt Moore were to deliver a great, epic playoff performance, let's say he wins two, three games in the postseason, sort of like Cardale Jones did for Ohio State you know, a couple of years ago in college football, do you think Matt Moore would become the quarterback of next year in place of Tannehill? That's a possibility, uh, legitimately. I don't know what his contract status is. That has a lot to do with uh, this equation. Um, you know, a lot of Dolphins fans have been impatient with Ryan Tannehill. He has improved over the last few years, but doesn't seem to be an elite quarterback. Uh, I wouldn't even put him in, uh, you know, Andy Dalton mode, uh, which is just good NFL quarterback. I think he's below that. Um, and I, I don't. If Matt Moore wins, say, two playoff games or even three playoff games and gets the Super Bowl. I don't think another team is going to be all excited to bring him in and pay him a ton of money to be their starter. Um, but I do think that uh, the Miami Dolphins need to look legitimately, you know, at him as a guy that uh, could be their starting quarterback, you know, going forward. And, uh, you know, it, that, that would be an interesting position to be in. And, and I guess we'll see. It starts on uh, this weekend, uh, starts with that first win. So uh, it should be a fun game. And as we've both sort of said, no one's given Miami a chance, which probably means that uh, they've got nothing to lose. And I think that's always a fun uh, team to be on when you make the playoffs is when you literally have nothing to lose. There's no expectations. No one gives you a chance. So let's just go out there, let our hair, you know, light our hair on fire, let it all hang out and uh, see what happens. And the teams that are expected to win, uh, who are pressured to win, sometimes those are the teams that – uh, drop passes and turn the ball over and, and lose games. You know Matt Moore isn't getting any respect when you Google Matt Moore salary and you get information about a San Francisco Giants pitcher. But I did <laughs> I did get uh, Matt Moore's contract status. He is signed through next year at a bargain. That'll be interesting. Uh, I'm sure that his agent is chomping at the bit if he wins even just one playoff game 
to try to at least get him an extension going into his last years. And he's been a quality backup for, for a pretty long time. You know, if you recall, I, I believe was uh, he was the starter when we uh, – when in 2009 when the Vikings went to Carolina. Is that right? And, and he beat us uh, at the end of that football game? That, I, I think, or am I wrong in that? I don't remember. Let's see. I'm not sure if that was him or if that was uh, – I don't think that was Derek Anderson. I know the next year when I was with the New York Giants, we our first game uh, of the season we played at uh, the new MetLife Stadium, and Matt Moore was the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers in that football game. So he may have been the starter at the end of he was. Uh, that 2009 season that, you know, be the Vikings team that was hot going into that football game. Yeah, Matt Moore, 21 of 33, 299, three touchdowns, no interceptions in that game. I totally forgot that. That's amazing. So if you wonder why I am high on him is that he has the potential to do that. I don't think Connor Cook uh, or Tom Savage or Brock Osweiler really has the potential to do that. Uh, But there might be a better chance that they won't throw four interceptions as well. And Matt Moore can do that too, but... That's what excites me about him is that he really does give that team a chance to win uh, big games and games that, you know, as that, as that Sunday night football game was. That was a huge football game for, for both teams and especially for, for our Vikings team. And, and he had enough guts to go out there and play unbelievable football. All right. Here's the game that everybody's licking their chops about. It's the, the primetime Sunday game. A team from Fox will be there. New York at Green Bay, the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Green Bay's won six straight. New York's on a roll as well. Packers kind of been banged up all season, it seems like. And they still have a lot of guys on that injured list. But they keep finding a way to win because of how prolific Aaron Rodgers has been. 18 touchdowns, zero interceptions in the last seven games. The only thing that could really curse Green Bay here is if they just expended too much energy or they peaked too soon, you know, just to win these six games in a row and make the tournament. Sometimes the teams that have the ability to get things in order going into the postseason are maybe in better shape. But then again, sometimes when you're on a roll, you're on a roll. How do you see this game shaking out? Now, as a guy who played for the Giants, I'm rooting for the Giants in this football game. I, I just know how hard it is to go into Green Bay at the end of the year and play against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And, and Aaron is playing so well right now. That team is playing so well right now. I don't see how the Giants win this football game. But if the Giants win this game, uh, write it down right now at 938. I will say the Giants, if they win this game, will meet the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. That is my uh, opinion. If they get through this first game, Eli, sort of like Big Ben, can get hot in the playoffs. He is the streaky shooter. And uh, if he wins one playoff game, watch out. That's a, that's a feisty defense that they have over there with the Giants. And when Eli gets hot, he's got three uh, wide receivers that threats to throw to. Giants have a chance to win this football game. But if I really do look and had to put money on the line, I'd go with the Packers in this one. All right, couple things here. Now, the last two times the Giants and Packers have met in the playoffs at Lambeau, the Giants have won, and they have gone on to play the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So this would be the third time in the last decade that's happened. Let's rewind the clock to 2007-2008 season, overtime, I think it was sub-zero temperatures, and here is Lawrence Tynes winning it for the Giants. Can he send the Giants to the Super Bowl? The kick is good, and the Giants are going to the Super Bowl. 
Brett Favre's final game for the Green Bay Packers. That was 2007-2008. As funny as a friend of Lawrence Times, uh, it is really fun to to listen to that highlight. Uh, obviously, as I said, when, when, when Eli gets hot, and it doesn't really matter the conditions, whether it's you know, freezing cold in Green Bay or, or down in Tampa, you know, he can win playoff games and then he can get on a roll. So this should be a very fun game to watch. And then 2012, Giants at Packers. This was the year that Green Bay went 15-1. and The divisional round, Giants pulled out a Hail Mary before the half. Here's Joe Buck again. A 55-yard drive from here, and now instead, they're going for it all. The pass! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Hakeem Nix on a last-second heave by Eli Manning. So that was right before the half, and the Giants went on to win that game going away to upset the Packers. If Green Bay didn't have a championship win this decade, Sage, they would easily be the most cursed team in football. Look at the ways they have lost just in the past 10 years alone with with McCarthy. The Lawrence Tynes game, which we just played the clip of. This game I just played the clip of. Then they've got the overtime loss against Arizona last year. Overtime loss against the Seattle Seahawks. Remember that one a couple of years back. You've got the last second field goal against San Francisco in the freezing game at Lambeau with Colin Kaepernick taking over. Green Bay's had some horrible, horrible losses, but I think people kind of forget about that because they have the ring and they have the title. Well, they got that one ring, but if they didn't, you'd be right. There'd be a lot of pressure on you know, Aaron Rodgers being sort of the Dan Marino of the Green Bay Packers. And, and it's amazing that, you know, their head coach, Mike McCartney, gets a lot of uh, a flack for, for losing those really tight playoff games and you know some people are, well is he going to get fired well if he gets fired I promise you he will get picked up in about two seconds by about 10 other organizations that are looking to upgrade on a head coach and so uh, they have had some unbelievably bad luck in the playoffs they've lost some really close overtime games uh, but I don't think that's going to happen this year I think they can win this game and I think they can also beat the Dallas Cowboys down the line they, they're a good football team Giants defense will have to come up big They've won nine of their last 11, and in that stretch, they have not allowed a team to score more than 23 points, and they've held teams below 17 points on six different occasions. So they will have to put the stopper on Aaron Rodgers, maybe pick him once and create a couple fumbles in that game to come up with a big defensive performance. you got to think Steve Spagnola uh, has to be up there for you know one of the coordinators of the year award. He has done a fantastic job with that defense. It doesn't have huge names on it, but they've played extremely well throughout the year and got better as the year on as the year has gone on, which I would think is a good sign for an offensive defensive coordinator. And one one thing I want to say about this matchup is again this is this is two teams who the Vikings did beat this year uh, at one point in time. Obviously the Packers are in the year and the Vikings fairly early in the year. To summarize our predictions, you said Oakland, right? Uh, I went Oakland, I went okay. uh, Miami, and I went Green Bay by a touch, probably a touchdown. Detroit, Seattle, I'm going with Seattle at home That's by right. just, I think, a close game. I think it's going to be about three points. All right, so you've got two home teams, two road teams. I'm going to go with Oakland, Seattle, Miami as well, and the Giants. I'm going with three road teams and Seattle at home. I'm th- it's going to be a crazy wild card weekend. 
Hey, it, it will be. I tell you, we both picked the uh, we pulled to the Dolphins in this game, and it seems like no one's giving them a shot. All right, we'll see how we did on Monday. Have fun skiing. Be careful out there. Enjoy yourself. We'll recap every detail on Monday. Sounds good. Looking forward to Monday. He's Sage. I'm Sam. It's Locked On Vikings. Not much Vikings talk on this one, but that's okay. Plenty of time to get into that as the offseason progresses. On Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, at Sage Rosenfels 18. Follow the network at Locked On Network. Talk to you on Monday. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer, to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.